So the great paradox of this practice is that so much of it seems interior and solitary. And yet it can lead us to an experience of not being alone in a very profound way. But I think perhaps the best way to illustrate this, since it's still Hanukkah, and I know some of you celebrate Hanukkah, is by way of an old and venerable Jewish joke. And there are different versions of this joke, but this is my version. And I apologize in advance because we have a wonderful rabbi in our sangha, and I don't think she's here tonight. And in the past, I've had her tell the joke because she can give it a special something. But here is my version. So, in a temple, there was a great rabbi who was praying. And his prayer was, I am nothing compared to the creator, compared to creation, compared to the divine. I am nothing. And he, he was praying with great sincerity and also great drama. And the cantor in the temple witnessed this and joined in. And I, too, am nothing, nothing compared to creation, compared to the divine. And soon they were just lying down in abject humility, almost competitive in their nothingness. And a janitor happened to hear them and, and was so moved by this display of humility, he, he started going, I too am nothing. He put down his mop and his pail and he was going, I'm nothing too. And the rabbi noticed the janitor and turned to the cantor and said, so look who thinks he's nothing. And of course, you should never explain a joke, even if I didn't give it the proper lilt. But the point is there's nothing the ego can't take and make its property. And the other aspect of the joke that's made it so classic is that it shows us, at least from the point of view of our practice, that when we come here together, we're seeking a, a presence, as I call it, an attention that has nothing to do with who we take ourselves to be. It has nothing to do with our personality or our attainments or our failures, for that matter, in our judgment. We're opening to something else, something that feels like it comes from creation itself or the creator or the divine. The words don't really matter. It's beyond words, what we seek. And I, I want to invite you right now to have a taste of it in a very direct way. And here is how that will happen right now. Oh, just for a moment, just for a moment, I want to, I invite you to not be aware. 
how did that go? Try it one more time, just for a moment, and try and be very sincere. Do not be aware. And I think you will experience, as I do, that there is something that's not thinking, that is aware, something that seems to emanate from us, awareness. It's not something abstract. And yet, at the same time, we tend to think, and oh, how interesting this is, we are conditioned to believe that we are alone. Or, let me add to that, we can allow for the possibility that Terrible things might be coming for us. We could envision awful fates, doom. And it's quite natural. It's like water running downhill, in, especially in the face of the unknown. And it's a very dark time. Uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, and we have some friends in the Southern Hemisphere, so it's a different story there. But here, it's a time when we can't help but think of the darkness of the unknown. And I think you'll notice that we don't tend to throw open the curtains and embrace it, the dark. It's much more our tendency to picture dark forces, dark outcomes. And how interesting is that? Because even before we've begun to meditate, we can feel this kind of ambient awareness, this caring attention, it just comes out. So I think it's quite beneficial for all of us to begin to practice letting in the light in the sense of not necessarily a physical light, but letting in not just the possibility, but the reality that we are also surrounded by benevolent and beneficial forces who are seeking to help and support us. And one way we can do this, and it's very much a practice in Tibetan Buddhism and Mahayana Buddhism and many other traditions, and it can certainly be something we can practice which is to allow ourselves to visualize noble friends, guides, benevolent forces, large and small. And it doesn't have to be codified into a practice. But when we sit, and especially in times 
of darkness or pain or loneliness. In addition to practicing metta, a wishing, wishing well for ourselves, we can permit ourselves to picture what to us manifests caring attention. And this could be a, a child, a dog, a tree, majestic redwood. It could be Tara, goddess of compassion. It could be Jesus. It could be Mary. It could be Totoro, who I think embodies the benevolence of great nature. The form doesn't matter. What matters is the quality of heart. This is a practice of mind and heart, bodhi mind, awakened mind, is here in the great vast bowl of the heart. And I think it's enormously interesting to consider how we spend our lives trying to control what will happen, what will come, because it's so painful for the mind to confront uncertainty. It hates uncertainty, and it wants to know. So we engage in this kind of feverish activity, controlling, planning, visualizing, but what if we dropped into the heart, into the Bodhi mind instead? And instead of focusing out there on what will come, what will happen, we focused on surrounding ourselves with forces of love and compassion and wisdom. At one point, when the Buddha sat alone in the darkness, the demon Mara came to him and sent images of terrible things. And the Buddha, as most of us know, calmly reached down and touched the earth. And the classical explanation of this gesture is that he earned his right to sit there. He belonged to the earth. But there's another part of the story that doesn't get so frequently told. The Buddha said to Mara, who'd sent images of terrible armies, he said, Mara, you don't know the size of my army. The size of my army. Truth and mercy and compassion and wisdom. So as we go to sit today, I invite you, and we'll have space for it, to open, don't stress or plan or think, but to give yourself permission to summon your army, your Tara, your beloveds, and be extravagant. I've heard Tara Brock describe climbing into the lap of Tara, Kuan Yin, right into her lap for a hug. 
and let yourself in that way be soft and open and inviting to call upon or pray or invite great and benevolent forces to be with you. So let's sit together and we put our feet firmly on the floor and let ourselves be as comfortable and upright as we can be. And notice how it feels to let the eyes close. And if you're not comfortable with closed eyes, just let the gaze be downward. And see that there is an attention that's present. And let this attention soften you. Let yourself be seen. Let yourself be sensed however you experience it. Just be soft. And notice that you can start at the top of the head, letting yourself have an inner smile. Let the lungs join in the whole of the torso smiling. And 
and the abdomen and the whole of the pelvic region smiling softly. And finally, the whole body, from head to legs to feet, the arms and hands, shoulders, the whole of ourselves, smiling softly, inwardly. radiating And notice how it feels to welcome benevolent forces or beings or a being to come to you, to be with you, to help you. Comfort you. Illuminate you. Don't think, don't pick, just allow if you wish. surrounded by the light of a helping presence, a loving presence. that there's a presence here inside that touches this presence outside that's seen. That's loved.
notice how it feels to just rest in this loving presence. Completely accepted. Completely geared about. And see that when you drift into thinking, you can gently come back to the body, to sensation, and to this presence that sees with love and acceptance. complete understanding Just rest in stillness, letting yourself soften and open. Just see how it feels to be accompanied. how it feels to be seen, really seen, 
is love. With compassion. Notice how it feels to let the darkness speak full of wisdom and compassion.
thank you. Thank you for your practice and your presence. And if you have comments or questions about this particular practice or about your own practice, we'd love to hear from you. And you don't have to raise your hand. Just please feel free to speak. Hi, it's Wayne. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. So um, I, I took very literally in, in a way um, <clears throat> the notion of, of the group in bringing in light. As, as I was bringing in light at the beginning of the meditation, as you were asking us to, and my eyes were closed, probably closed more uh, for longer than I have been in the past. Um, there's, it, it, it almost was as if uh, the people here in the Sangha were kind of flashing through my visual field and my meditation and part of that light and part of that presence. Uh, you know, you always, you often talk about um, being seen and this group being part of the dynamic of what we're doing. And I really did feel that, feel it very strongly and feel that whether people were intending or had any notion of helping me, I was gaining, I was, I was getting um, that help that you talked about from the presence of, of, of the group. And it was very, um, very pleasant, very pleasant and affirming and supportive feeling. So uh, thank you for creating this atmosphere where people can have this kind of experience. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I would um, remind people that, and I mean, if you, some people don't a sea light or have an experience of being seen for some people and that's perfectly okay Wayne does I do some people have more of a sensation or a feeling of being present so and yes it's wonderfully helpful in past months we talked about the 3 a.m. club, you know, that, that sense sometimes of being awake at night and not being alone, that other people, Tracy might be sleepless or someone else, Wayne, and that, that idea that our suffering is not what separates us, but what we have in common, what joins us, a feeling of vulnerability sometime, or pain, or not knowing, or insecurity, or uncertainty. All these things are not ours alone. It's what it bonds us, times of loneliness. And it's shifting from our pain, my pain, to the pain, or the common pain sometimes, or vulnerability. Wayne wasn't talking about pain, because also what we have in common is this love capacity to open and to love, this wish for connection. 
with ourselves and with others. And finally, also, this awareness, this ineffable presence that connects us to each other and to the whole of creation. And that we can open to it. Sometimes we're so stingy with ourselves, often, that we'll do our sitting and we bring attention to ourselves, but we don't dare call on Tara or, or God. We keep it small. And the invitation is to open ourselves up to presence with a capital P. And that can take the form of the Sangha, the community, as Wayne described. Or it can take the form of nature, of creation. Or it can take the formless form of God. And the practice that can seem so, I don't know, um, is it really okay to climb into the lap of the Buddha, you know, or to call down, to, to pray for help? It doesn't seem Buddhist, does it not? It's not, first of all, we're not practicing something with any kind of ist or ism, we're practicing opening to an attention that is our own legacy, our own possibility, deepest possibility. And what we're doing when we practice together and alone in paying attention, in reaching out in the form of a prayer or opening is seeing our own deepest humanity. And we see it one at the same time to, like the rabbi in the joke, our nothingness, our limitation, our conditioned nature, our pain. And at the same time, this extraordinary attention, this presence that comes through us and from us. And the smile practice that we did, it's also so helpful, and especially at a dark time, to experience ourselves. 
themselves as a source of benevolence. Friendliness. Tracy, this is where I get very confused with the whole idea of the presence. And I don't know, sometimes I think the presence is something that's coming from within me, where I'm experiencing a sense of loving kindness towards myself. And other times I think I'm supposed to be seeking something outside of me that I think of as being more like God that feels elusive and then I feel like I'm grasping for it and I'm missing it and I'm not getting it. Can you explain a little bit more about what what presence actually is? Yeah, um, the beautiful thing about presence is that it's all of the above. And the beautiful gift of this practice is that we can be very, very direct and, you know, right here, right now, and let the practice be just as you describe, letting this attention appear in this very basic feeling of being present with an attitude of loving kindness, basic presence. Don't even worry about the loving kindness, just being present, just that, just that. And when you go into thinking, come back again to this very direct feeling of being present in the body. That's it, no thoughts, nothing fancy. And so we cultivate this capacity just to come home to ourselves and remember the basic vibrancy of being alive. Just that. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm sensing that basic goodness to be alive. And then as we do that, sometimes at moments, maybe just for a moment, we can discover that this feeling opens outward. We become more porous so that we can feel this attention around us. And you can just take an interval like three feet. You can feel, and you can do this in your daily life, all of us. Notice how it feels three feet around you. That, being present that way, just like walking in the woods or something aware, just that. And then sometimes, just for a moment, you can have an impression of being seen from above. And I'm not saying try, go try to do this or that somehow that's a, a, a higher state. It just sometimes happens that when we least expect it often, that we can have an impression of a presence that we have, this presence that we have, that it's something that we share with, with something greater than ourselves. And we can get, um, we don't have to think about it in terms of the high here, in terms of a direction. Because um, sometimes that can send us into thinking. But I want to offer us all something that kind of quietly blew my mind when I heard it. And I hope it blows your mind too. Once upon a time, the great spiritual teacher, G.I. Gurdjieff, said, and I had not read this, a learned friend told me this, that our consciousness, our 
direct ability to perceive and sense. It actually depended on the whole of creation, every creature, every plant, everyone. And what blew my mind was I suddenly realized, well, that means that when we lose creatures and plants, we lose part of ourselves, our knowing of ourselves, our capacity for consciousness. And I didn't want to, you know, get into a big side trip about our crisis, our planet, but, but that just to suggest that this seemingly small thing, consciousness, presence, is not small. This action, what we're engaged in together is an action, a practice, not a theology or a philosophy, not thought. It's an action opening to how it feels to be present right here, right now. That simple. But open to the possibility that this small action of being willing to come home, to be present, might be participating in something much greater. And again, it doesn't have to be mysterious. It's we are becoming, when we become conscious, we're making ourselves available to be more responsive, more kind, more aware. becoming part of the greater force of goodness. Maybe just for a moment. We're able to witness something or feel something. To make somebody else feel seen or some other creature. or the whole earth. Tracy, this is Billy. Uh, could you please repeat uh, that quote you had of Mr. Gurdjieff? Um, there was so much chatting going on that I, would, I got distracted. Thank you. Oh, okay. It's not a quote, but it is a paraphrase that he once said, taught that our consciousness actually depends on the whole of creation, every creature, every animal, every plant, that we're participating in something as a whole, that we, as we seek to be whole, I'll, I'll leave off that second part. But, and I don't put it out there um, so that we're all confounded or, you know, thinking about it, but how marvelous to think that as we become more present, more whole, we're also opening and participating in more of life. Thank you.
can also suggest that when when we lose creatures and we're diminished ourselves. We're participating in something together. That's quite vast. And as we prepare to close, I offer the question, not the answer. What if becoming conscious was contributing something to that? What if we are really needed? our opening, our witness, our hearts. And not just by people we know, but far beyond. And it's kind of an exciting way to think of the unknown. That it's waiting for you to send out ripples. And why don't we sit for one more moment together with eyes closed with, and two hands together in our heart space with the gratitude for this practice and this life, this extraordinary organism that we inhabit, body, heart, and mind, thankful, thankful to be alive. And, and where? And we don't seek to keep this just to ourselves for some idea of self-perfection. We let it ripple out, shine out, like light, like warmth, like love, with the wish that all beings everywhere every creature, every plant, all beings be safe and protected from harm and danger. May all beings everywhere be seen somehow. May all beings everywhere have the resources they need to live and to thrive. And may all beings everywhere, including ourselves, be entirely, ultimately free. Thank you. Thank you so much for your practice and your presence and your donations in all ways that keep our sangha going. And take good care of yourselves. And